Welcome to Healthy Conversations, an eHealthSpace.org podcast. In this week's edition, we talk with Steve Hambleton, a Queensland General Practitioner and the incoming head of the Australian Medical Association. Dr. Hambleton discusses the AMA's agenda for the next few years, along with some of the challenges associated with taking the AMA's top job. He also touches on some of the benefits and opportunities associated with the eHealth rollout in Australia. Dr. Steve Hamilton, welcome to eHealth Space. Thank you very much. Now, you've been uh, elected unopposed as the president of the Australian Medical Association. Tell us a little bit about why you stood for the top job. Well, look, um, I was elected unopposed, and I think it's, it's unique. It happens every now and again, but really it means that the whole of the country is actually of one mind, and that, that's very good. It means that uh, we start with, I guess, support for the process that we've already already been starting. Now, there's plenty of unfinished business for the AMA uh, that, that uh, we need to continue to actually lobby government and get outcomes for. And I guess um, the reason I stood is that, uh, that I've, been, I've really enjoyed my time working with Andrew Pesher, who is the current president, and uh, we have good relationships with government and good relationships with the op- opposition. And we know that the politicians need the advice of frontline medical practitioners to actually make the right decisions. So when we see that they're going in the wrong direction, we'd like to provide that feedback. And when we see they're doing a good job, once again, we like to provide that feedback. But look, there are so many things that are happening. Uh, We've heard about uh, the health reform agenda. uh, And really, what we've seen so far is health refinancing. Uh, We we haven't seen real health reform. And there's a lot of detail yet to to come through. In our public hospitals, uh, we really need clinician-led health reform. So we know that uh, part of the restructuring is going to lead to activity-based funding in our public hospitals, but the local hospital networks are so important to be set up properly to make sure that uh, decisions are made at the local level and not far removed from the hospital. In addition to that, we've got to make sure that the lead clinician groups are formed and have real input and real access to those people making decisions because that's that's what's gone wrong in the public hospital sector. Uh, Clinicians have been pushed out. Now, that's the public sector. In the primary care space, uh, we've got lots of health reform happening as well. And we need to make sure we don't make the same mistakes we made in the public hospital sector. In other words, we don't want to see frontline doctors, um, general practitioners, pushed out of the governance arrangements that are starting to happen in primary care space. So the AMA is obviously concerned about the way Medicare locals are being set up and we believe we've actually got a better plan mm. that if the government looked at, we could actually get more input from general practitioners into the governance of those Medicare locals. So you've got some concerns about Medicare locals. Tell us a little bit about what you'd like to see evolve there. Basically, what we're concerned is that uh, these organisations that are being formed are going to have a lot of trouble actually coalescing all of the people in the primary care space. Now, it, it's, made, it's made it even harder uh, when the refinancing came through with the new Prime Minister, because prior to that, the uh, the Rudd plan was that 100% of the primary care funding would come from the federal government. And now we see there are still silos. So you've got primary health care through GPs coming from the federal government. Uh, you've got certainly outpatients coming from, from uh, the, the state government. You've got another silo of money. It's in mental health. You've got more diff- a different silo of money that looks at community health. And you've got um, federal money and state money both mixed up in the aged care sector. All of that is supposed to come together in the uh, in the Medicare local. So we've got you're behind the eight ball to start with. Now, of course, if you put all those organisations together and you disenfranchise those at the front line, that is the medical practitioners, the family doctors, 
uh, we will actually make it even more difficult. Please tell us a little bit more about what some of the other priorities the AMA has as you come into the top job. Look, health reform is one of the main priorities. Probably the most important priority is actually our, our future colleagues, the doctors in training. Uh, we know that we haven't trained enough medical practitioners in this country for up to 20 years. We also know that there's been a, a rapid ramp up in the number of medical students in the system. And those medical students are now starting to graduate. They deserve and need proper training. And we need to make sure that they get as good a training that we got. In other words, we need to make sure that there are intern places for everyone who's, who's in an Australian medical school and make sure that those intern places turn into second year and third year jobs and registrar jobs, which is where you, you, you go to train as a specialist. Okay. What about e-health? I mean, what are the AMA's priorities when it comes to e-health? And is there a time when health and e-health will become indistinguishable? Well, it's already starting to happen. The e-health space, uh, we need to have some significant uh, investment in and significant developments in. We know that one of the most common causes of uh, medical misadventure is poor communication. And we know that when uh, that each public hospital has a different number for the for the patients. The, the family doctors have a different number. The uh, most services use a different identifier. So step one, let's identify the individual. And there's a unique health identifier now. But if we can accurately transmit information about the patient's medication, about their health summary, uh, their, their diagnostic imaging and pathology, we're a long way down the track at decreasing medical misadventure. Uh, our problem at the moment is the uh, personally controlled e-health record is adding another layer of concern in that, I guess there's a number of things. It's an opt-in program, not an opt-out program. There's some concerns about the level of independent control of uh, what's in that record. And we need to make sure that there's a medical moderator that actually is, is making sure the information is accurate and is transmitted appropriately. Because we know that medical practitioners, if they're not confident in the accuracy and the uh, up-to-date data, they simply won't use it. So we don't want to see Australia spend a lot of money on e-health records and then find ourselves in a situation where we can't or won't use it. Well, if I can go back under health refinancing, which we touched on a minute ago, what are some of the steps needed to ensure that we actually get structural change within the health system? Look, I think we've started, and I think that the uh, Health and Hospital Reform Commission uh, uh, did some very good analysis. Uh, we know that uh, uh, Kevin Rudd and uh, Minister Roxon uh, went around the country to talk to doctors, and I guess the, the, the strongest message they were given at that stage is, let's get medical practitioners back into the loop in, in relation to management and governance decisions. So we really need to see structures set up and solidified that lock doctors into that governance process. Now, we've seen it in New South Wales, and New South Wales probably leads the country in terms of setting up their local hospital networks and lead clinician groups. And they've got a, a structure that the AMA believes is actually going to work well, where the lead clinician groups actually interact at that local hospital network level and have got some, well, real input into um, the governance decisions. And we're not just talking about uh, health standards. We're talking about where the money is invested and how it's invested. Uh, in terms of providing uh, infrastructure and also healthcare in the hospital sectors. The expertise that we have within our health system that lies with the doctors needs to be recognised and integrated with the process. And I, and I guess uh, if we can use New South Wales as a model for this and roll that sort of structure out through the rest of the country, I think healthcare delivery will be uh, more efficient and it will be more engaging for the practitioners who work in the system. 
Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about what some of your personal passions are and what, what's your personal vision for health in this country? Well, I'm, I, would, I mean, I'm a GP and I, uh, I am intimately involved with my patients every day. I think that um, uh, certainly I think the role of the primary care uh, family doctor needs to be recognised and needs to be recognised how important it is. I think uh, sometimes it can be taken for granted and I want to make sure that uh, uh, all governments recognise the importance uh, of the family doctor. Uh, because I think we do so much uh, on the ground with our patients one-to-one and we can make such a big difference in their lives. Uh, even just with, with small pieces of health promotional advice, you know, we can save enormous amounts of money in the long term. We're one of the most cost-effective area, areas of the health system and yet uh, sometimes uh, you wouldn't think so the way the governments uh, make decisions. I guess the biggest disappointment of late in the budget uh, was when we were talking about uh, a new focus on mental health in this country uh, the government chose to actually take or to decrease the rebates for, for patients claiming uh, uh, GP management uh, mental health care plans by somewhere between 25 and 50%. And simply at a time when we're trying to focus on mental health, mm. this really sends the wrong signal to the engine room of the health system in this country. So if I can uh, uh, raise the profile, at least raise the knowledge that the family doctor is cost-effective, cost-efficient and should be supported, and should be respected, I think I, I, I've done the right thing. What was it that encouraged you to get into medical practice in the first place? I and mean, when you left school, you know, what was it about medicine that attracted you? Well, I guess uh, all of us had a vision of what our family doctor was like, and that's really the doctor that we saw. And I guess that was attractive in its own right. I mean, I was uh, originally thinking I would like to be a, a narrow specialist. I'm, I'm a GP, and I'm, a, I guess, a broad-based specialist. In fact, I was thinking about uh, being doing radiology, mainly because I was I enjoyed the physics and I and I thought that would be an interesting uh, area of medicine to work. But when I did my country relieving term, and as a young doctor went out into the bush, uh, I found that that one-to-one relationship that you build with your patients and that longitudinal relationship that you can build was was very attractive. And immediately I redirected where I was heading in medicine to to family medicine to general practice. And I'm very happy with my decision some uh, almost 30 years later. And, you know, the number of families that I've been, had the privilege to work with and share their lives with is really, uh, is a, really a rewarding experience. And I'd certainly like to leave that legacy for the next generation of medical students to make sure they realise the rewards of actually being a family doctor in this country. Oh, thank you, Dr. Steve Hamilton, incoming president of the AMA. Thank you for joining us on eHealth Space. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on Healthy Conversations. Check us out on the web where you can also join the conversation or leave a comment on today's show. You'll find us at ehealthspace.org slash multimedia or search for eHealthSpace on the iTunes store.